Good morning Europe, your Gaia X updates, live from London, by the Uptime Punks and Echo. So welcome back to another episode of the Uptime Punks. This is another Gaia X special, and it's a very special one because we got Andreas here, and we got our guest Hartmut Miller here, the CTO of Daimler AG, Mercedes Benz. Maybe that's a more common uh, term for everybody out there. Ask him already why there's no star, but uh, he explained it already to me. But as you guys know, the Uptime Punks, we always ask the questions that nobody should ask. So Hartmut, welcome, and Andreas, welcome back as well. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's 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 great to have you back here. Um, unfortunately, um, the, the old normal software tools are not working, so we're trying this one with Zoom. So apologies in advance, but it's 21st century, so we need to be agile and we need to keep on adapting ourselves um, at all times. But um, Hardwood, so before before I hand you over to Andreas to speak about GaiaX, the listeners sort of have to get a feeling for your sort of age range. So we, we're going to get started with the easiest question, which is, what was your first mobile phone? Oh, actually, it was uh, a blue Nokia uh, 5110, I think. So it was a blue, actually, one and uh, without a display. And I liked it very much because it was quite functional, you know, so and uh, it, it is good in my memory. And, and Nokia get... was actually the brand, and I don't want to make uh, some commercials here, but Nokia was the brand I lived up to, and then... I changed uh, to the to the Apple iPhone, which I'm currently running. Okay, so this means you enjoyed the long life battery because the Nokia's the battery yeah, life is. Um, this is the only thing I never understood. Like mobile phone developers afterwards, they would just never manage to get the same sort of um, battery life back in their phones. I mean, Nokia's we used to yeah. run for a week. Uh, but I think, uh, but I think that's a core uh, yeah, coexistence between hardware providers and software providers now. What we see actually, so yeah. and uh, of course, battery um, providers and manufacturers to a certain extent uh, are also part of that. Uh, I would say equation at all, you know. And, and like we said, you know, it, uh, battery lasts for days, and today uh, you almost have to uh, to recharge your battery uh, on a daily basis, more or less. Yeah. You know, people run around with power banks, um, which I quite often do as well. <laughs> I, I don't have one. I don't have one. Actually. Oh, you don't have so one? Okay. I, no, I don't have one, actually, because that fills up uh, uh, my pocket, and I don't want to have all yeah. the, also a, a small phone. Actually, what I really said, I now switch back to the mini, you know, to the iPhone 12 mini, because oh, okay. it's a convenient size, and you can uh, easily carry it. So that's actually, yeah. Andreas is holding it up. But, yeah, Andreas uh, <laughs> is the same one, actually. So it is, it is great, actually, and it is completely sufficient. And Yeah, like, but you guys are not like, you guys are not the youngsters like my generation. We need to have Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, and then we need to like, okay, Andreas might here and there send out some uh, some angry tweets to the world of Gaia X to, to, to clean I up. I can even do it with a mini phone, yeah. <laughs> 
But, but also, in, not, I don't want to advertise something. It's really about, you know, that also other brands, uh, yeah. fantastic foods actually out there. No, no, there were some phone manufacturers that are not even around anymore, like Siemens. Siemens was used to have amazing mobile phones. Like they came up, I think it was the first one with a camera. You, I remember I had to have it because you could stick it on on the bottom, the colored camera, and then they had the flip phone and all these things. But um, yeah, some mobile phone manufacturers just didn't keep up with the changing tides of demands from uh, clients. All right, that's about mobile phones. Do you remember your first computer? <laughs> it was a C64, actually, when I was 14. Okay. And uh, it was a great one, actually, with uh, the one inside a floppy disk, a data set, and also some modules which you can plug in uh, to play fancy games. And also BASIC was my first programming language, um, which I enjoyed pretty much, actually, building my first own programs. Uh, and yeah, C64 was the first one. And then I changed to a 8286 or so okay. with that nice uh, green or gray monitor. So <laughs> and it was it was really nice. And the C64, I actually plugged into my television, actually, to my little one. So it was uh, quite astonished how what we now have on our desks actually today. So but C64 was the first one. Is, is, is that what uh brought your passion to tech because now basically as a CTO all you look at is tech and technology solutions is that what sort of like sort of like lit up the flame of interest where Hartwood was playing with a little game and he's like oh how does it, how would they work in a car no, it's, actually, it's actually it's actually uh, looking to myself now uh, turned 50 you know last year and uh, and still curious on that technology innovation you know and uh, when i started my career as well you know being in the tech space and also uh, being with the first company i had really to learn a lot of develop uh, developing languages you know and mm. uh, i had to adapt to operating system xenix for instance or sco unix and all that was my first operating systems i dealt with beyond dos of course you know which was the first one um and and so change was completely part of my life you know and so i'm always curious to dig into new technologies now for instance blockchain as one element mm. or how to deal with uh, completely distributed infrastructure or yeah. also what is then part in the discussion with andreas when we are moving towards gaia x and saying how can we live in a democratized world of data sovereignty and technology sovereignty. So, so I liked it very much to deal with that on a daily basis. It's speaking about change and um, how you like um, technology. Is there any gadget you have got yourself during the lockdown period, which kept you sort of sanity? Um, some and, some tool or some app or is there anything that you... I, I think there was no specific app. Um, what I realized far more actually, because, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, in that phase where you are um, in terms of whatever living far more healthy, I would say, you know, you realized it, uh, how important it is actually also uh, to stay healthy as a person. I um, felt more in love or become more in love with my Apple Watch, I have to say, because even when I clean my hands, so to say, it reminds me that I have, have spent sufficient time in cleaning and hand washed uh, and washed. Oh, wow. Hands, so okay. So that's that's quite interesting, um, and also whatever to the fact that I'm sometimes really running, so it also controls your heartbeat and all that stuff. So I like that very much as a as a reminder or who gives some nudges to you in terms of doing something. So that was uh, that was actually the gadget, but uh, beyond that, um, nothing really special. 
So this means the Apple Watch keeps your sanity. Uh, yeah, to a certain extent, you know, when you when you when you check everything, you know, so everything is now controlled, you know. So that's yeah, that's the good thing, uh, you know, for us. Yeah. And, and it all comes back to data and data sovereignty. And um, then one last question I'm going to ask you. So the podcast is called the Uptime Punks. Obviously, uptimes. Yeah. Um, uptime is a term, and everybody defines uptime to themselves a little bit different. So what is for you as a CTO in Daimler uptime? How would you define uptime for yourself in terms of a personal life, but also in terms of the business? What is uptime to you? For me, it's on the one hand side, uh, staying on top of uh, technology innovations, because, you know, if you are running a large organization, for instance, um, um, like Daimler with a lot of brands underneath, it's really important to take the right decisions in terms of which technology will you utilize for your company. So it's always sometimes also a trade-off, of course, because uh, do you invest in, in, in early adoption or even in first mover technology? Or are you wait in terms of uh, let's whatever uh, jump only to the second cycle uh, of innovation? So I think that's uh, for me, and it's, it's, it's combined a personal thing, but also a thing regarding how we deal with it in my professional life, it's really staying on top on the one hand side um, and combining, I would say, uh, leadership with technology competence and also thought leadership in certain domains. Um, and that gives me on the one hand side also the pleasure and the energy also uh, to deal with these topics on a daily basis. Okay, thank you. Um, so, Andreas, what have you brought uh, for us from Brussels? Any updates? What's new in Gaia X? Any any hot? Well, so, what are, what are the new rumors? What's going on? How 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 is the platform looking like? <laughs> the big problem is, although we should have some vacation time, every everyone is working very hard and pushing very hard to 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 proceed with our specifications of Gaia X and. Uh, just give you a recommendation if you want to keep update, keep yourself updated on the new stuff. Just have a look at Gaia-X.eu. So this is the official website, of course. Um, and uh, there has been released a new architecture paper uh, based on so-called 0621. Uh, and there's some new stuff inside, for example, to address core services for Gaia-X according to a decentralized autonomous organization. So nickname is DAO. Uh, just have a look at Wiki. So it repents, uh, represents a rules encoded computer program that is transparent, controlled by the organization members and not influenced by a central government. So this is a kind of idea around DAO. And you might consider, uh, and, and I will ask Hartmut later on, uh, well, what do you think about a DAO? And I'm pretty sure Daimler is not yet convinced that this is the best idea so far. Uh, but on the other side, yeah, um, we, we, we need some uh, newer ideas how to manage such a very complex ecosystem with uh, a lot of automation, but of course also to provide appropriate security and transparency and uh, trust. Uh, and I think trust is always a fuzzy term, of course, but uh, what, what, what can be done here? And so, hey, DLT and blockchain is on the floor again. So <laughs> what we discussed already five or six years ago, and I never had any clue why the hell do we need a blockchain beside Bitcoin? Well, now it's getting back on the floor. It provides some, some means how to deal with distributed systems. And of course, Gaia-X is 
distributed approach of uh, multiple providers, multiple services, cross over Europe, cross over the world finally, which is also level complexity. And so we need to deal with claims, with verifiable credentials. And I just want to refer also to the upcoming and very intensive discussion about self-sovereign IDs, distributed IDs, when we come into the area of uh, personal identities and those other participants in the GAIA-X network. And uh, I think we, we need a maturity level beyond Google or Facebook in terms of who is the uh, identifier of a person, because we need also some legal background, how to utilize such identities. And uh, because when we go, when we talk about GAIA-X and for example, sharing of data, we also need a level of contracting for such a sharing in terms of policies and rules. So this is really what is going to be discussed and, and it's more in the area of the operational model of GAIA-X. So we promoted the conceptual model and the functional model and now is how to operate GAIA-X at the end of the day. And this is a very interesting part. And uh, of course we have a special scope at least on behalf of ACOR, how to operate a federation because you know we are dealing with federation services and this leads us then to the discussion how can we provide really support to the use cases and this is the other update we got uh, the, the there were a lot of projects awarded by the german tender about gaix use cases um, so far there are 16 projects selected 11 of them can start immediately so this is currently in the procurement uh, and they are uh, this is a, a full range of various ideas around healthcare, legal, education, finance, mobility, geo, energy, space, uh, uh, agriculture. Uh, so, um, and even the public sector is completely engaged. And this is really also a very good sign. Uh, they really understood well. Uh, although we have to deal with our secure environments, uh, nothing more beyond a private cloud. We need to extend our resources. We need to interact with the rest of the world and hopefully GAIA-X can provide us a scheme, an operational model, which allows us to, 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 to keep the very secret stuff on premise. Why not? But we need to interact with the, with the outside world to some extent. And uh, this is really what we are looking forward. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the maturity level of these proposals. And uh, uh, we can expect that the bad thing here is as this is a kind of funding, they are not allowed to be commercialized before the end of the project, which is typically three years. But uh, we, we try to, to get everything out of them uh, as, as, as a blueprint or a conceptual approach to make it available to the market, to the economy, uh, to, to make use of uh, the, the, the expertise which is going to be built up by these use cases. And uh, I think this is yeah, what, what's happening right now? So um, in Q, Q3, end of Q3, we will have a new architecture paper. And then we need also to clarify these uh, uh, rumors around this DAO and how uh, blockchain can really help here. And uh, I, I'm not yet fully convinced that the market and the use cases will really accept this, especially when it comes to regulated market like finance and healthcare. So. Uh, um, they, they need a level of transparency and they are not so happy about that there is a worldwide autonomous organization which is controlling itself so probably uh, the, the truth is always in the middle or in between so well, we can discuss it further on especially 
uh, what, what Hartmut will, will uh, say on this topic, because I, I know you're familiar already with, with blockchain and ocean protocol and uh, stuff like yeah. this. A blockchain is just a term. I mean, for me, blockchain, <laughs> it's like it existed already centuries ago. It's just it has this like new fancy like, oh, yeah, we use the blockchain. Well, so your birth registry was already with blockchain, correct? Well, and, and, uh, probably there's still some files somewhere in some dungeons in Germany because <laughs> Germany, everything is five times far. How about, let me ask you, what is blockchain to you? Uh, distributed, you know, on the one side, but also for me, yet another technology which we have to leverage, you know, and I think that's yeah. uh, the important thing. And, and looking to, um, because what I'm fascinated about uh, is Ethereum 2.0, you know, especially uh, in terms of building distributed applications so based on blockchain. So, and leveraging the technology also to, uh, whatever, increase the security level on, uh, on the application side, uh, what you are doing. So that's, I would say for me in, in simple terms, um, um, blockchain is you know and it's it's not about you know all that bitcoin mining and all that stuff which is uh, sometimes simply associated to that i really see it uh, as a technology fundament in the future to build completely different applications and how they interact together and also um, and also how they authenticate you know in terms of um, and if you imagine that you have a closed system um, you can easily authenticate um, uh, via blockchain the, the different parts of such a, I would say, a closed system, but also being able to open it to, to known and, uh, I, think, I would say, well-authenticated uh, additional members. So that's, that's why I'm saying if we believe, for instance, that we go into a world of distributed infrastructure going forward, and there are some studies around that whatever uh, 75 percent or so by 2025 are distributed at the edge then of course the authentication and how you interact also in an economy of things for instance how iot devices are authentication themselves under each other then definitely uh, such technologies will play a different role compared to how they will perceive today so that at least is is my opinion about it um, and we will see how the adoption and the speed of adoption will take place and also how the transaction cost, of course, will go down uh, with the famous ones, you know, like um, blockchain or Ethereum or other stuff, uh, because there are also other technologies which with far lower transaction costs. And I think also um, in that phase where we are, we will see also some gravity coming uh, in the next one or two years towards a so-called standard maybe, which will help us then uh, going forward. So I think that's, um, that's definitely one thing which we have to uh, consider in, in a, whatever, in, in, in a new technology area, which is coming. But also listening to that, what Andreas said actually, and Andreas, maybe one question to you, uh, are you satisfied with the progress in the overall GAIA-X uh, environment, which has multiple layers, of course, but are you, are you satisfied and also, but because my biggest concern is now that we are heading towards an election in Germany now in September, uh, which slows us down again, you know, over a longer period of time um, and which rethinks maybe completely different stuff. Or is that, uh, is that not a, uh, whatever, uh, a reason you are uh, thinking about? Oh, there's a can of worms. 
opening up. Andreas, well, how are you? Um, simple question, complex answer. So, well, to be honest, um, when, when we look at Gaia X and what happened in the, in, the, in the last two years, it is still extremely impressive. Uh, so for sure, GAIA-X is here and here to stay. So this is first statement. And uh, we are also talking with the German ministry. And of course, they are keen to have more tangible results because uh, we, we have to write it forward in the new uh, legislation period. And uh, therefore, we need also some, some results, let me say it this way. Um, um, so, and, and now we are on various layers. There's a national interest and, and there's a lot of spending by the German government into Gaia-X. I think we're talking now all, all in all about 1 billion euro, uh, considering also this IPSA CRS, where we talk about digital infrastructures and so on, cloud edge continuum. Um, so it is of real importance. Uh, and uh, um, I, I think, Everyone has understood we have to do something. And I think there's a good orchestration with Gaia-X, with IPSA-CRS, with Next Generation EU, all these activities around. But of course, we need to orchestrate them. But we have a common goal and common objectives. And in this sense, uh, I think, um, yeah, I, I can still state I'm, I'm, I'm quite satisfied with the progress of Gaia-X compared to other projects. But the, we, we can still stress it more than what we are doing right now. So, so we need to expedite, we need to provide more a common view, uh, a common statement, uh, clear results, because we need to interact with a lot of other parties as well. We're dealing with these uh, uh, topics about data sharing, data sovereignty, uh, how to transform the economy. Uh, and in this sense, uh, um, well, we are on a good path. Uh, it is not a, a self-driving system so far, so it still needs some support from various parties and hopefully also from Daimler, uh, because um, it is very important that we really address the, the requirements of the economy, of the society, uh, of the industry in all areas, uh, and therefore, those parties need to express themselves. Where are your pain points? What, what can be done? And if we are very clear, what can be solved by Gaia-X and what is your own homework? This is also already a very good achievement. Yeah, I, I think I've um, maybe some concerns regarding technologies of sovereignty and also in terms of how fast are we building something, you know, in terms of, uh, on the one side, of course, there is conceptual work, uh, which has to be done, that's uh, for sure, which can be then also adapted, I think, in, in certain, certain elements. Um, but especially looking into the initiatives uh, we are also facilitating, and um, for us, it was very important, we started with the EDSA uh, membership, where we, uh, and I applied for that uh, with the company, I think, almost one and a half years ago or so, and we, be, uh, we became a member of IDSA. And uh, I think it's a, a very important element of the overall, when you look to whatever open source as a, as a statement, uh, which we also um, live up to, that we want also to see that in the overall thing, because um, as my observation in the, in the, in the Gaia-X environment, and it doesn't matter whether it's IDSA or, or Gaia itself um, as an organization, 
um, a lot of companies are members already, you know, and a lot of proud companies are member also, as we are as well, you know, um, and a lot of tech companies are, uh, are member. Um, and of course, uh, I think we all agree pretty easy to the data sovereignty topic and say, let's uh, go for data sovereignty, democratized data. Uh, we live up to the architecture of things saying, uh, data will be kept at the edge, you know, and everyone keeps his data and we can uh, build up whatever intelligent data marketplaces which are, are running compute on decentralized storage and all that stuff. But there I see really uh, a big need for consensus as well and also maybe for guidance. I, like you said, it's not an autonomous car which is driving, you know, into a direction. It's really a guided uh, environment. Looking to technologies of Renetry, to looking to also the proprietary software which is already in the market you know and uh, having as a as a counter position also going fully open source like we now do it in the uh, in the catena x uh, space where we say it, it's uh, eclipse you know where we uh, support uh, that going forward and where we also created a, a group of maintainer who uh, built software and i think that's the important one let's build software let's uh, have a whatever um, a rough consensus and then create software and then let's uh, live up also to the agile principles in terms of how we develop stuff and that bringing in line on the one hand side to the overall large group of companies it's for me heavy lifting and also bringing in line also to whatever financial steering models budgeting um, and also funding from a from a public authority point of view it might be very difficult. So at least that's a bit, um, so my reflection on on the course in certain initiatives going forward. I don't know whether you agree or disagree, but I'm uh, interested in your opinion about it. Yeah, yeah, uh, great point, because uh, really sharing knowledge, uh, a common, common ground base, like you said, with the Eclipse project to build up core open source components, which are already addressing this interoperability part, also how to, how to uh, work together is very important. And I also appreciate all the work done by IDSA in terms to build a governance uh, scheme, how to deal with data sharing. Uh, but we need to have a look at all the various requirements because of course, um, sharing data doesn't mean that you move data. Sharing data just means, yeah, I'm, I'm capable to share information with you um, and we have to overcome these old-fashioned platform models where there is one centric entity in between to orchestrate it. I know it's still in favor for much of the parties, but I, I mean, when it comes to data sharing, I just want to cite a statement by Michael Jochem. He's the director of the chief digital office industry at Robert Bosch, and he's also part of the board of directors. And we just published an interview, and he's, he said, GAIA-X is driving the data economy. So we are really talking about the new upcoming data economy and putting the economy to the test, which really means we are stressing now the economy with new paradigm, how to deal with data. And they have to overcome the concerns in terms of data sharing, um, because the digital value creation is really, it relies on cooperation. And this is what you're doing with Katina-X. You're, you're, you're in competition, but you want to cooperate to, to some common ideas and concepts for collaboration. And it's still a competition because you are also in a, in a competition with each of the parties. So this is really challenging, of course, uh, 
but uh, this is the way to go uh, because uh, um, and this was the initial driver to initiate Gaia X because everyone knows we are collecting so much information, so much data, and you, you address this industrial IoT part. Uh, uh, and we want to monetize and valueize uh, this, this data. But in most of the cases, we cannot do it alone. Uh, we, we need to, to bring all the actors, for example, the complete supply chain, if you want to address the resilience of supply chain within your production processes, uh, then you have to include all the SMEs, which are part of the supply chain um, and all the pre-manufacturer and they need to share their data as well. Therefore, you need to be very convincing. I think you need to, to, um, to really provide good arguments why to share data, where are the incentives for all the parties, how, what is the commitment in terms of uh, keeping uh, data safe in your environment and do not reshare them with other parties without consensus upfront. So these are all the things which must be addressed, but we are very clear Without data sharing, we stay where we are right now. And this might be a huge problem for the, for the German industry in the near future already. And uh, so this is really, an, and we can elaborate on this term. What, where do you think, where's the value of data sharing or where is uh, the, 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 where's the honeypot for Daimler in terms of- Well, where's uh, the value of Gaia X for, yeah, or where's the value for Gaia X for Daimler? Like, what is for you guys? Uh, uh, like? Yeah, uh, what, what is the overall value? But yeah. can you keep uh, the scope on data sharing? Because this is uh, the, the, the most important part when we, when we talk around Gaia X. Yeah, and I think uh, what you mentioned uh, in terms of data sharing, um, if, if first thing we, we reflected that also from an internal uh, perspective, you know, we are uh, a huge company with uh, a global company in whatever, uh, with having multiple brands in the truck side, we have multiple brands in, um, also in the car side. And, um, and of course, the overall infrastructure and IT architecture, how we store data is of course completely distributed. So, and in the past, it was always about building huge data warehouses, building huge data lakes, you know, uh, moving data from A to B actually, and, uh, and um, all the famous ETL tools and data warehouses are already in place here. So, and, um, and I think that uh, paradigm and also, um, what do I say, architectural uh, paradigm uh, is gone if you, believe that you can access real-time data um, uh, at the edge, you know, where the data resides, so to say. And um, that was for us on the one side, also internally from an architecture point of view, a very important concept. Uh, imagine the fact that we can real-time, for instance, uh, compare data, which is uh, in the US, which is in Germany or even in China and can access that uh, and run compute distributed um, according to also local uh, um, uh, policies and regulations, which is also important to a certain extent, because when you go to certain countries, you have to keep the data in the country. So there is no doubt about it. We cannot move data out of countries in certain countries, and we have to live up to, um, to rules and regulations and to policies which are um, in such countries. And even if we are going, because also we, uh, we carry, for, for instance, financial services business, even in that, uh, in that industry it's far more strict so but it means 
it gives us on the one hand side an opportunity, you know, to um, to live up to data sovereignty, and we can keep it. It's like GDPR to a certain extent, you know, uh, in a different way. Um, and that was the fascinating part. That's why we also said the IDSA, the data connector, actually to make data accessible. It, it's an idea which can be leveraged internally, but also, of course, externally. When we go to our supply chain, like you mentioned, Andreas, and say. Uh, how do we ensure that, for instance, sust sustainability, that we say we have a compliant uh, uh, supply chain across multiple countries um, in place, and how can we um, ensure that? So, uh, but there can, comes also the side where I'm saying um, we have to be look on it um, also a bit critical because our supply chain is global. We are a global company. It's not only that we are saying we now in a whatever European island, and we can do something in our European island here. No, we have supply chain in Asia, we have supply chain in the US, and we have supply chain in Africa and other countries. And so it's really important that we always look on it from an end-to-end -end perspective. So that means also Catena X, to a certain extent, um, has only also a value for us when we uh, can integrate our entire supply chain. And that goes uh, to Asia, that goes to China. So, and, and that's why uh, at the beginning, we saw, of course, it very critical to say, because also some, um, I would say some statements where alongside, let's build the next hyperscaler or the European hyperscaler, which luckily uh, we, we have not supported that idea. And I think we don't believe that that will be anyhow a business model uh, going forward, which will survive. So to my personal opinion here, um, it will be a decentralized world, you know, imagine all uh, uh, imagine the fact how many IoT devices with not utilized storage are around and which you can leverage actually uh, for the greater good in terms of storage sharing, storage utilization, and all that stuff. And I think that's, um, that's definitely a topic we have to consider um, in, in that idea. So, and, um, and then, uh, of course, when we look to say we have a technology fundament, which is also reference architecture, for instance, for infrastructure, which uh, is available for, for large companies and maybe also for global data centers, but also available to serve at the edge in a very small environment at a machine, at a production line, and is able also to be, uh, I would say, easily integrated into an infrastructure architecture. Then you go up the stack, um, and I think that's um, the real challenge now we are facing, because I would say all major companies and large global multinational companies are already utilizing hyperscalers. So you, we, are, we are already living in a hybrid uh, cloud environment with on-premise platforms. With edge, it's an edge cloud, so to say, with on-premise platforms, but also with having data um, with large hyperscalers already. And of course, that we have to integrate into such uh, business models and thinkings. And, and then, uh, of course, that's why we also joined Catena X. We like the idea saying, of course, based on technology sovereignty, based on the idea of uh, data sovereignty, building up, for instance, um, the data connector as a central element, how to share data in a very open way. So that means also uh, applying open, open source to it. Um, and then building up uh, a vertical use case end-to-end -end with, with all the parties which are involved in terms of, uh, for instance, of course, uh, BMW is also part of Catena X as a, as a large company, also others uh, are joining. And 
And I think that that will give gravity. So at the end, in, in technology, that's at least my experience uh, of the past, whatever, 30 years, you have to create gravity with that what you are doing. So and to create gravity means you have to attract and create appetite also for, on the one hand side, the industries, so but also the authorities, the public authorities to fund some stuff, you know, to a certain extent. Um, and I think now, Catena X as one example is, uh, I would say, large companies are supporting that idea that will create gravity. And you see also that others are jumping on that bandwagon. The same has happened to IDSA, where uh, a lot of members are um, um, jumping on the bandwagon as well. And that gives for me also, uh, I think, when we have the architecture in place, also the, the larger, greater good. And not inventing the wheels several times, which I see personally as a as a concern and also as a, a, a danger going forward that we try to do stuff multiple times and uh, slowing us down with that to a certain extent. And, and it could be on infrastructure level, but also on a use case level. Uh, when you look to the initiatives, for instance, which are running to a certain extent, um, then I'm very positive. I think if we can avoid that, and if we apply also open principles like open source and democratize technology and also um, uh, live up to data sovereignty and include or include also others. I'm not saying, okay, we are closed shop now and it will be a European uh, exercise which we are running here. Uh, if we open that up, uh, the earlier the better, then I think it will be... Um, it will be very valuable actually for us as a society, but also for the joining parties um, and companies here. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much. Harman. You made a, a lot of very valid points and I'm, I'm not in conflict with any of these statements because uh, just to pick it up, uh, first of all, yeah, we have to target this decentralized approach because we need the edge. If you talk about autonomous driving or smart cities, well, um, Latency is still an issue. So if you want to have real-time processing, you need a processing entity 50 to 80 kilometers around. Otherwise, you will fail with the, with the turnaround uh, time. And uh, this leads us also already into this direction. We, have to, we, we cannot move forward with a cloud-centric approach. Um, but on the other side, we are not building up another European cloud hyperscaler because this is nonsense for me, personally at least. Um, and we have to include the hyperscalers, especially when we target a worldwide market as well. And, and they have very good and good functional and, and good performing services, but it's not everything we need right now. Uh, we need much more than this. And this is really the challenge we have to address in terms of interoperability, orchestration, crossover providers, and also not just the service orchestration, also how to deal with the data distribution. And uh, it doesn't make sense to move always data from A to B. Um, you have to be very clear for what is the purpose, uh, uh, who is allowed to access, and uh, uh, how can we still make additional value instead of using this data warehouse approach where we collect everything which works for the retail sector, but probably not for most of the other sectors. Um, so in this sense, um, uh, I also appreciate this partially open source approach. It's just partially, which is clear enough because everyone has to do his own business model on top of it. And this is 
something which really touches the intellectual property of each of the parties and they have to a clear understanding and we, we cannot share the, every knowledge with, <laughs> with the world <laughs> yeah just just go yeah. ahead yeah i think uh, it's also important um, to get a clear understanding um, um, how is the investment protected for the parties who are now joining and addressing it you know That was one thing where I'm saying, okay, if, if you go open source, then investment protection shouldn't be a discussion actually for involved parties. And that's one thing. The second element I'm also uh, sometimes thinking about is what is the real USP at the end uh, for Europe, you know? And also in the in the technology uh, discussions, what uh, what we see or what I see also in discussions and having accountability about several functions uh, in our company. Um, I say, how are we dealing with security? So what is what is the term or when are we also saying, okay, it's, it's zero trust. It gives a different level, a different maturity about security. And also given uh, joining parties, you know, in, uh, in Gaia-X, um, it's, it's pretty easy also to address the convergence, for instance, between, between cloud mobility and security. You know, which I see as a as a key element in USP going forward. Um, um, if it, because if you miss one, actually you are not able to support the business models very properly in the future. When you are saying what might be a fundament for for, for instance for our business models, you know, with digital products or with a, a digital corporate processes, for instance, you know, then I'm looking to the fundament and saying, okay. Of course, there is whatever, uh, a next generation workplace, there's software defined infrastructure, pretty decentralized. But also how to, uh, to treat security from the beginning and um, rethinking also the approach, uh, how we really, I would not say left shift it to the beginning, but it has to be a fundamental element, you know? And I think uh, currently I missed that a bit I don't know whether you have a different perspective. I missed that a bit. And also the convergence be between, for instance, what the telcos are doing, you know, in, in terms of their open run activities and all that stuff. Combining uh, cloud and mobility. Um, and I think that's the next step also for, for maybe hyperscalers to decentralize their world and saying, how can I connect that pretty easily? with new telecommunication standards, 5G, 6G, which will come definitely and gives also quality of service that offers a complete new way on rethinking current existing business model. And my, and my take also for our company is how can I provide it in, a, in the utmost mature, secure way towards the organization and also towards our partners and, um, and suppliers, for instance. And I think that... Um, That is a, a great challenge, which we have to tackle also going forward, at least from my point of view. So because I see that convergence coming um, and we have to address, to address it properly. So and um, I don't know how you are seeing that uh, topic, um, if we are already on it or if you are saying, okay, that's one thing which we will figure out later. No, no, no. Uh, first of all, you gave me the option for a short advertisement because we had uptimes funds number 45, where we discussed with Leira from Technalia about security and how to deal with security also in reference what's going on with ENISA and the EU cloud security uh, certification scheme 
uh, as part of the EU Cybersecurity Act. And here we're really in this term. I also can reply in the sense that for the Federation Services, this is a program we are procuring on behalf of the German Ministry to build up first open source components to drive a federation. Of course, we have the guidance with data privacy by design and security by design. And what we are right now discussing is also how to deal with DevOps, security DevOps, because these are all the, uh, the methodologies how to apply security, which is still very complex if you are dealing with a distributed environment and you need to be very clear who is in ownership for what part of the security and how can we achieve an end-to-end -end security, which is also addressed in various of the concepts, for example, in the IDSA, this connector technology, uh, where uh, also security is of highest importance when you exchange data or information between the parties. But at the end of the day, you need to also to educate the parties and the participants how to manage security. Uh, which is really also an issue for Katina X. If you include SMEs, yeah, you need to train them, you need to educate them, you need appropriate uh, assessment schemes. Uh, for for example, like this uh, uh, VDA assessment for security, um, and uh, this has to be also brought to the attention of all involved parties. And we need monitoring tools and this is also part of the federation services to monitor systems in terms of uh, gaps in the security setup uh, you can do it monitor it from outside but you can also in, engage the cloud providers uh, to share important security information if they can serve to to reduce the risk of security flaws within this end-to-end -end service provisioning so yeah we have to address this but this is at least daily business anyway we, we need to have it not just for Gaia X it should be uh, addressed for each of the parties uh, because no one can say uh, so all the parties who are still believe well I have my firewall and my internet is secure by default because <laughs> well uh, there are already some surprises around here um, and uh, in the sense yeah Let's address this, and it is clearly addressed, and it's getting more important when we go into this operational model, of course. But we need to do security by design already with the development of services, with the orchestration of services, and also during runtime, you need skills. And this is really where we need a much bigger community engagement, especially out of the cloud natives who are dealing with this. They, they are already familiar how to orchestrate multi-cloud scenarios with AWS, mm. with Google Cloud, with Alibaba and other on-premise services. Uh, and uh, we need this knowledge also, we need this buy-in. Therefore, we are conducting a series of hackathons where we really address such things. And we can also raise some security issues um, or, or security assessments. And uh, yeah, let's face it, what is the outcome and how to mitigate security issues, for example. Yeah, I like that actually. Also, I think I like that that we are now applying also agile principles, you know, to a certain element um, in how to develop stuff. That means uh, we see early what we are creating and producing here. So, and it's about code, you know, it's not about having another specification no one is following. It's really about building software. So, I think that's that's at least my uh, my understanding of it. And I think we have to drive also the community towards that. Um, 
and get all stakeholders um, onto that bandwagon. And I also agree to what you said about security. Of course, it's uh, it's of utmost importance, uh, like we saw actually in, in recent uh, days, what can happen, you know, if you are whatever not protected properly. Um, and it has to be incorporated, you know, as a standard also that we are living up to that. And uh, that's uh, very good, actually, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, probably we can also establish some incident response centers when we talk about building data spaces and identify security issues and risks. So, uh, well, these are all known instruments, but we have to bring them to operation. So, and then there should be a willingness, and it's it's a, it's not a cheap exercise to be sure. <laughs> no, no. What, what I'm really looking forward. You mentioned that. Uh, so, in a in a in a small sentence, is um, how the operating model looks like. You know, because. Yeah. It's easy sometimes to build software, but it's sometimes pretty tough to operate it. So, and to create an operating model and to to fund also the whatever the business model underlying. So, I think that's uh, that will be quite an intense discussion going forward. And I'm really looking forward to that because then it 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 it, it becomes alive. You know, you know it. Uh, then it's about you know uh, we have an operating model. We have maybe also whatever you know a company who's serving that. Um, and looking to the multiple initiatives, you know, which we have around here on the Architect guys, you know, there is a, an agency for jump innovation, you know, they are the guys in Brussels, uh, they are the guys in Belgium, and they are the guys, you know, wherever. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's cool to see. Uh, and I'm really looking forward, how we getting the multiple parties towards uh, one direction. Yeah. But I, I'm afraid we're exceeding the, the typical time of this podcast. <laughs> but, but you know what? It's very entertaining. And um, that, that's what I think is something great because um, uh, I, I like what Hartmut just said. It just really showcases the European spirit, which unfortunately my country people where I live in decided to leave from. But oh, it's just come on. Shows... You're, still, you're still in. You're still with us. Well, I don't think you can. I, I don't think Brexit is ever going to get cancelled. But um, it's just. Uh, well, the, 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 the... I still love you, actually. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But no, I, I think it's great because that's that's what GaiaX is about. I think it's it's great to see that so many nations and so many so many different industries. That's actually the most like um, remarkable part about it. And. Even people that would normally compete in a the market, they come together here and they're really trying to make a difference, trying to bring this whole thing to life. And Andreas is like, I see him as the father of Gaia X. It's like, that's like his, his ah, Andreas is like, no, no, don't say it. But Andreas is very passionate and emotional and involved. You can hear it when he's speaking about the project because he really believes in it. And I think more and more people are waking up and they're saying, oh, this is actually happening. And the haters, as I like to call them, they're becoming more and more quiet. And um, Andreas says something I haven't shared with you, but um, so me and Tim, we were approached by um, a big international company. And basically um, they, they have GAIAX on their radar, uh, but they're not happy with the haters and the bad press about it. So they will be coming um, next week to give a... Um, a statement from their side because um, they think there's too much drama about um, what Guy X doesn't do, and actually, what they want to showcase is what Guy X actually does and what doors it opens, especially in the healthcare sector, like um, for cancer research and all of these things. Where without Guy X, some patients would never be able to get cancer treatments, 
and how GAIA-X actually saves lives. So this shows you some more use cases right. of GAIA-X, which are coming through now, which is like- Great opportunities, actually. Yeah, great yeah. opportunities, because with being able to share this data and people having access to the data on the controlled environment just gives you a whole new level of transparency, which means lives can be saved and people's just, lives- Just reinforce the Agile manifesto, speed matters, you know, to a certain extent, also in that environment. And if you yeah. live up to that, so things will uh, become different. But Habo, let me ask you one last thing before before you before you go. <laughs> um, what what would you like to see m more from 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 the guys like uh, I would say Andreas who are sort of like steering the ship of Gaiax. I, I, I like to look at it like uh, Battleship Galactica, right? Let's go a little bit Star Wars fantasy themed. You have the Gaiax universe, and Andreas is the captain of the big um, big ship there, and he's steering it around and trying to bring as many people on board as he can what would you say is a thing which would make it maybe more appealing for people and what would you say um they should do from their side to to make it work a little bit more and give him some motivation so he can go and um he can leave this podcast really motivated and ready to send off some emails <laughs> andreas i don't want to disappoint you no sorry no actually it's really it's really, like I said, I think we have a consensus about data sovereignty, you know, so that's clear. And uh, we live up to that uh, uh, policy and uh, principle as well. Um, but what I still miss is really, um, how should I say, the technology vision going forward, you know, and where are we standing for today and uh, maybe also tomorrow? And how does that fundament or how does that fundament really look like? And how are we maintain it and democratize technology across the uh, the organizations as well? So I think that's uh, that's definitely one thing we have to always reinforce. And then also we have to rethink the way on how we are building software. You know, uh, whether it's about concepts, uh, tons of paper, or whether it's about really rough consensus and then create code uh, in the agile. Uh, way of doing it so that's at least my opinion just give me just a short answer on this because uh, beside all the the, the issues we, are, we it's a complex multi-stakeholder project of course we need to educate uh, the affected parties of course how to make use of Gaia X and uh, what I would also like to see in the near term that we talk about digital responsibility goals because uh, uh, we, we, it's not just about technology, it's just also where are the advantages and not just on an economic level, it's also on a, on a, a society level. And uh, this, this is also one additional view to get more uh, traction for Gaia-X. We really need to convince that, there are, that the things are better with Gaia-X and uh, how to achieve this and who can participate from the value. Because Besides the fact that we are spending a lot of tax money into Gaia-X, which is really paid by everyone of the, uh, of, of, of the people who are paying tax. Yeah, we, we need to, to really showcase the advantages. It's not just about the industry and not just about the economy. It's also about the society. And in the sense, um, if, if we want to accept more digital services and all the advancements which are potentially seen by applying digital services and all these sophisticated things uh, we, we we need to also to explain uh, uh, who is uh, getting the shares out of this and, and uh, how to how to bring the community into this direction and uh, 
Well, let's see. It's, it's still a journey, and I think uh, we need also forecast what will happen in one year, in two years, in three years, uh, and uh, how to engage people. Uh, I can just tell you, uh, I, I have uh, continuously new onboarding sessions, and it's also a, a level of challenge to bring people up to speed uh, when they are joining GaiaX, because uh, we, we can already talk for hours just what's going on right now and just looking at the history and where we want to go. It, it can be days or months, but we can just to, listen to the podcast on very simple messages. <laughs> they can Sorry. just listen to the podcast, Andreas, and it will solve the problem. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, amazing. Um, I would say, Hartmut, um, we continue this discussion at, at some point um, before end of this year, hopefully, if um, live events come back to life and we will have a Gaia X conference. Um, I would love to have Hartmut there and Andreas back there as well. And um, let's just pick up in four months where we stop today. And then maybe we hopefully can get some more questions answered. And uh, Andreas, you might you, you must be ready then for the hot seat because I think everybody's going to ask the complicated okay. questions. But at least you can answer them. So um, thank you very much. And it was a pleasure having you here. And um, yeah, till next time. Thank Great. you. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for having me. Great day. Good morning, Europe. Your Gaia X updates live from London by the Uptime Punks and Echo. <laughs>